Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Heartway. (laughs) And welcome to your smooth jazz corner. (laughs) Oh, with the poetry snaps, okay. (laughs) Y'all swaggy in here. (laughs) Very briefly, I wanted to share with you guys an interesting, simple, but very poignant concept. So just follow with me for a second. (laughs) If we look at One of the core mathematical truths of quantum mechanics, it says that everything, all possibilities of events that can occur, that have occurred, that can occur, that will occur, all possibilities exist right now. Mathematically, it's a truth, which is saying that literally, this, this implies two things. Number one is that all time really is an illusion because everything that happened, everything that is happening, everything that can happen now, And everything that will happen in the future is already here right now. So how do we apply that? It's saying to us that not only is everything here right now, but every event, every desired reality we can access. Stop and think about the fact that your dream life, your dream way of experiencing the world, it exists. It's not just something you're searching for, it already exists. If you can just stop and realize, wait a minute, God is saying that everything that I desire for my life, for my experience of life, if I can tap in, I can align with the emotional state that is conducive to that. I want joy. I want my life to look different, to be peaceful. I see things for how I want to live, the quality of life I want for my family, my kids, what have you. All of that is here right now. How does it make you feel to realize that you don't actually need anything. You don't have to go searching for it because if I can tap in, that reality already exists. 
that even if I feel uncertainty, even if I feel like I'm lacking, actually all abundance is here. And wouldn't it be beautiful if we could tap into that, into that state of being, of realizing everything I need is already here. I welcome you to close your eyes. And as you breathe, breathe in the awareness that everything I could possibly need is already here. Everything I could possibly need is already here. Everything I could possibly need is already here. If I can tap in to that knowing of completeness, If I can feel that truth, what peace that brings me. God brought me into a reality where everything I could possibly need is here. So my job is not to search, it's not to fight, it's to get myself into the state where I can access it.
Do I want stability? It's already here. Do I want a life partner? They're already here. And instead of asking what I need to do to attain it, Instead, I ask myself, what state of being do I need to embody to draw it unto me? How do I need to feel What are the emotions I feel when I get it? Is it joy, excitement, a feeling of adventure and whimsy? Then I need not wait till I see it. I set the intention to experience those emotions right now. Because that's how I attract it to myself. And that's what it means to pray as though you already have it. This is prayer. To live as though you already have it. Whatever it is. As one communal body Let us breathe in together. And at the count of three, we're going to have one more communal breath. And we'll just soak in this beautiful truth that everything I need is already here. One, two, three. so gently 
in your own time. Bring your awareness into your body. And as the message is brought forth today by Dr. Daniel, <laughs> see if you can lean in to how you will feel in the life you want to live. And focus on being in that state today. You may open your eyes. Do you like that? <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you, Hartway. Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's been an incredible uh, morning so far. I want to thank you guys just for showing up. There's something about having consistency, something about just going even when you don't feel like it. I think we've kind of lost the art of discipline in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to something like church or spiritual community. Oftentimes, those of us who grew up in religious settings had a lot of guilt and shame around missing a Sunday. And I've, I've discussed that with you all before. That's nonsense. But there is something beautiful about saying, I'm going to show up and just keep showing up. It's like when I go to the gym, sometimes I'm working out. I don't feel like I'm making any progress. In fact, a lot of days I'm like, I don't even feel like being here. I want to leave. But you just keep showing up. And little by little, over time, you see this progress come on its own. All because you just kept coming. And so it's fun to be here. The energy is beautiful. And we get something out of it that allows us to implement practices into our life that bring peace and joy and that elevate our state of consciousness and affects the way that we see and interact with everything in our world. So I love you. Thanks for being here. Keep coming back. And to get us started this morning, I want to read to you a passage of scripture from probably my favorite book in the Bible. And I love it because when I bring it up to folks, they're like, oh, man, that's like such a depressing book. I'm like, I, that's why I love it. It's my favorite. Okay? That's the book of Ecclesiastes. So look at what it says here in this wonderful poem, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says, there is a season, a time appointed for everything. And there is a time for every delight and event or purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away and a time to gather. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love 
and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Everything that happens in life is seasonal. When you look at nature, you'll notice the constant changing of seasons, right? So you got fall, winter, spring, summer. And every season that comes, every transition in the seasons plays a pivotal role in the way that everything in nature functions. So the changing of seasons from a natural standpoint isn't merely optional, it's integral to the way everything works. I was reading an article by an anthropologist who's a professor at a university in Canada, and he was talking about how necessary the changing of the seasons are. And he said, if we didn't have different seasons, humans would probably never have advanced past the state of living in small, scattered settlements, settlements scrounging for survival and often dying of horrific insect-borne diseases. There would be no modern technology, our mortality rates would be through the roof, and much of the earth would be uninhabitable. So our growth and our advancement as a species is literally dependent on the changing of seasons. And not only is this true on a physical and material level, it's also even more deeply true at a spiritual level. Without the changing of seasons, there is no growth. And in the same way that the seasons of nature constantly change, so do the seasons of our soul. There are seasons of pruning, seasons of testing, seasons of waiting, seasons of working, seasons of resting, seasons of growth. And if there were not any shifts or changes in the seasons, if there was never any resistance, any challenge, any difficulty in our life, there would be no evolution. Everything would simply remain stagnant. There's a wonderful Arab proverb that illustrates this by saying, all sunshine and no rain makes a desert. All rain and no sunshine makes a flood. So both the rain and the sunshine are equally important and should be equally valued because they both play a necessary role in shaping us into the human beings that we are becoming. Of course, we wish that life could always be good, but when it comes to your spiritual development, that would actually be bad. Like the scriptures say, there is a time for everything. And what you consider the right course of action in one season may actually be the wrong course of action in another season because different seasons require different approaches, different responses. You cannot just apply one principle or one set of behaviors to every season. In the Taoist tradition, there's this wonderful story about a scholar who was traveling from his hometown to another city. And as he was walking on this long journey, he was confronted by a group of robbers. And they took all his money, they took his, his uh, belongings. And the scholar didn't react, didn't respond. He let them take his stuff. And so as they were running away with all of his things, 
they started thinking to themselves, wait a second, this is weird. Why didn't that man chase us down, try and fight us for the stuff that we took from him? Something's off. So they, they chased after the man who just kept walking as if nothing had happened. And they said, hey, what's going on? Nobody ever responds or reacts like this. And the, why, uh, the, the scholar said, well, a virtuous man is not attached to his possessions. And so the robbers started looking at themselves and they said, wait, wait a second, this guy is really wise. He probably has the ability to rise up in the government. And when he does, he's going to punish us for what we've done. We should probably kill him. And so they killed him. After the news of this spread, there was a, an elder who was speaking to his grandson about this incident. And he said, grandson, listen, if you ever get approached by a group of robbers, don't be like that foolish scholar. Don't try and act super holy and non-reactive because look at what will happen to you. Well, lo and behold, a couple weeks later, the grandson ran into a group of robbers. They took his stuff, they beat him up, and he was fighting for his life to no avail because they ended up outnumbering him and they just took his stuff. As they were running away with his possessions, this man remembered what his grandfather said and he chased after him. When he went to try and get his stuff back, the robbers were like, what is wrong with you? You are such a fool. We spared your life. We let you live. And here you are coming back to try and get your stuff, even when you're outnumbered, trying to fight us. You're going to attract the police. You're going to attract way too much attention. You're creating way too much of a fuss. You know what we got to do, right? We're going to have to kill you. And they killed the guy. That's the end of the story, by the way. <laughs> so you're like, what? <laughs> well, what was the right response for both of these people? Should the scholar have responded like the grandson? If he would have, would he have kept his life? Should the grandson have responded like the scholar? If he would have, would he still have his life? The point is, there is no one right way to act in every situation. Different situations call forth different responses and approaches. And what may seem wise to do in one situation may be foolish in another. And what may seem foolish to do in one situation may actually be wise in another. You can't just apply one principle or set of behaviors to every circumstance and situation. This is why we shouldn't judge other people for the way that they react and respond in the specific situations that they're in because our metrics of what is right and wrong may not apply to their specific situation. Ultimately, what matters is that we're following our own intuition. See, a lot of us, when we get into circumstances in life and we don't know what to do, we're always asking other people, what should I do? What should I do? That's a telltale sign. We haven't really learned how to trust our own inner voice of intuition. Well, if you do what other people tell you to do and it doesn't work out, how do you think that's going to make you feel about them and about you? But if you do what you feel is right to do in your heart, even if in other people's mind it's wrong or bad or foolish, if it doesn't work out, at least you can say you had the courage to do it your way. And so we have to also give ourselves the flexibility 
to make decisions in different circumstances and situations that according to other people's standard may seem wrong. Sometimes you may have to do something in a certain situation that according to even your own standards may be wrong, but it's the right thing to do in that moment. Moralists do not like anything that I'm saying right now because no, these are the rules. This is the way you've got to do it. That scripture I just read said there's a time to love and a time to hate. A time to hate? Danny, what are you talking about? There's a time for war and a time for peace. What? There's a time for war? Danny, I'm so holy. I'm so righteous. What do you mean? Y'all aren't ready for this. We have to have the flexibility to allow ourselves to do whatever we feel we need to in the moment as the situation calls forth. So everything in life happens in seasons. And to be at peace, we've got to learn how to get comfortable with that. People are seasonal. Friends are seasonal. Jobs are seasonal. Success is seasonal. Failure is seasonal. Happiness is seasonal. Sadness is seasonal. And just because a good season transitions into a bad season or a high season transitions into a low season doesn't mean you've done something wrong. I can't tell you how often I hear people say, Danny, my life is in shambles. I don't know if this is God punishing me. I don't know if I did something maybe that I shouldn't have done and I really deserve what's happening to me. Maybe this is just uh, my, my karma because I screwed up so bad. And the reality is you're just experiencing the natural ebb and flow of life. And some of us wreck our brains trying to understand why we're going through what we're going through. But even if you could understand God's reasoning, it still probably wouldn't make sense to you. So instead of trying to ask why and figure out why you're going through what you're going through, just go through what you're going through with an open mind, with a willingness to learn, and you'll get from this situation exactly what you need to get from the situation. What I've come to see is that no season is accidental. Every season that you go through contains the perfect lesson that you need in this moment of your life to maximize your potential. And the good news is because we know that the seasons are going to change, we can prepare for them ahead of time. Any Game of Thrones fans here? No? Oh, I'm walking out of this church. Okay, one, two. Man, that's sad. I feel sorry for you guys. Well, too long and boring? Wow. Oh, okay. Well, on Game of Thrones, the big phrase is winter is coming. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. We got to get ready because winter is coming. That's how it is with life. You know winter is coming. It's not always going to be springtime. Right? Winter is coming. We don't have to be afraid of the fact that winter is coming. We don't have to be afraid of barren seasons because even though seasons change, God remains the same. And you have access to the same power, the same presence, the same peace that resides within your heart every moment of your life. And you access that through faith. 
a radical kind of faith where you just throw your life into the hands of God, completely and totally in absolute dependence. Look at what it says in the book of Daniel. Then that same night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And he praised the God of heaven, saying, God is wise and powerful. Praise him forever and ever. He controls the times and the seasons. He makes and unmakes kings. And it is he who gives wisdom and understanding. So if God controls the times and the seasons, that means you don't. You don't control what season you're about to enter into. You don't control how hard that season's going to be. You don't get to control how long that season is going to last. The only thing you have control over is how you respond once you are in it. In the New Testament, there's this wonderful passage of Scripture in the book of Corinthians. Paul is basically writing to this church and telling them about all of the hardships that he's been suffering, the persecution that he's suffered. And he says, it got to the point where I despaired of life itself. Everything that I was experiencing was so difficult, so heavy, that I felt like it was beyond my ability to endure it. I didn't even want to live anymore. God, just take me. Just take me. As he finishes that whole spiel, he ends it with this wonderful line. It was like a, a revelation, a realization that came to him from above. 2 Corinthians 1.9. And yet all of this happened that I might not rely on myself, but on God. It's one thing for us to say this and affirm it intellectually. It's another thing to realize it at the core of your being, to feel the truthfulness of it. It happened so that I would not rely on myself, but on God. And if that's what it took for me to get to this point where I am no longer relying on myself, but on God, what a blessing that was. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who was sharing with me his story. And he was telling me that he got to a point where he almost took his life. He spent the last little bit of money he had from his unemployment check to buy a gun and he was in his room, on the floor, crying, hand on the trigger, ready to go. He felt like there was no way out of this. There was no, there was no salvation available for him from the mess that his life has become. And the way he describes to me this point of revelation and realization was so beautiful. He said that, in that moment with his hand on the trigger, it was the first time that he ever experienced stillness in his life. Complete stillness. To the point where it was almost as if he had an out-of-body experience. And he was able to look at himself and see the situation that he was in. And he was like, Danny, it's not like I, I heard God's voice or I heard anybody speaking to me. It was just this knowing in my heart. And the thought that came to him was, what are you doing? That was it. What are you doing? Is this what it's come to? And he said that moment was so pivotal. It changed the trajectory of his life. Now, seven years later, 
He's married. He has a wonderful job. He has a great life, stability. He's helping people now, sharing messages of positivity and hope and love, helping other people who are finding themselves in a similar spot that he was in. Total 180. And the catalyst for his change and transformation was being on the floor of my bedroom with my hand on the trigger, ready to pull it, ready to go. It was in that moment when the spirit got a hold of that man, lifted him up out of that pit of despair and set him on a new trajectory for his life. Sometimes it takes us getting to the end of ourselves, the end of ourselves to begin relying on God completely. And so we look at these moments of our life that are so dark and so terrifying and so difficult as a curse. And yet from God's perspective, maybe the greatest blessing. If you're listening, if you're, if you're attuned, if you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, it's in those moments that God speaks to us the loudest. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. When times are good, be happy. Duh. But that's actually not just a duh, because some of us, we can't be happy when times are good because we're so scared that that time is going to run out. And we can't even enjoy the good because we're afraid it's about to walk out of our life. It may. Enjoy it while it's there. Of course, of course, the good time will not last forever. When times are bad, think about this. We don't like this verse, man. God makes both good and bad times so that no one really knows what is coming next. So when the good times are there, enjoy them. When the bad times are there, embrace them because they're both gifts in their own way. And God is the source of them both. And everything that God does is good, even when we think it's bad. And I know a lot of us have a hard time with this, intellectually, theologically, philosophically, trying to understand God's relationship to evil and the bad things that happen in this world through me for a whirlwind for many years. We, we, we don't like to attribute that which is evil or bad to God. How could the bad times come from God? Only good times come from God. But what we don't realize is that what we call evil or bad is based on our own subjective, limited human vantage point. From the divine standpoint, the bad and the evil is always serving a higher good. Always. Always. And God's higher purpose always prevails. And God's higher purpose is always good. Yes. Period. So we trust that God is weaving together every moment of our life and every moment of history into the tapestry of his divine plan and purposes, which are always good, always good, always good. But you won't be able to see that if you're judging the whole story by one chapter, which is what we tend to do. As the book of our lives are being written, 
as the book of history is being written and unfolding, we see one bad chapter and we judge the whole story off of that. You got to wait to the end. You got to wait to the end. I love this poem called the Tapestry Poem. My life is but a weaving between my God and me. I cannot choose the colors he weaveth steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. Hmm. Isn't that beautiful? I love this imagery in the book of Genesis that says God created humanity from the dust of the earth. That's significant because in other places in Scripture, human beings are spoken of very highly. It's said that human beings are higher than the animals and a little lower than the angels. It is said that human beings are made in the image and likeness of God. There's a scripture that speaks of humanity as God's masterpiece, the pinnacle of all creation. And yet God created you from the dust on the ground. If God can make something so beautiful and magnificent from the dirt on the ground, what do you think he can make out of the rubble of your life and the situation that you're going through and the hardship that you're facing? God always brings beauty from the ashes. So when things are crumbling, that is exactly when we can know that God is working in a way that is going to blow our minds. If we can just be still and trust we will watch it unfold and you won't even have to do much. In fact, if you try and do something, you'll mess it up. <laughs> Just sit, be still and watch God do it for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. God has made everything beautiful in its time. That's an important phrase, in its time. He has also placed ignorance in the human heart so that no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. The hardest part about going through difficulties in life is not knowing or understanding why. And yet it's precisely that ignorance that adds to the astonishment and the bewilderment and the gratitude and the joy when God ends up showing us why. God makes everything beautiful in its time. And yes, he has placed ignorance in the heart of man so that we won't know what's coming next. That's not fair. I, I want to know what's coming next. No, it's funner this way. Trust me. <laughs> it's funner this way. The key is to not resist the changing of seasons. To resist change is to resist growth. Life is change. 
In the Buddhist tradition, they say impermanence is inescapable. The reason why we suffer is because we try to hold on permanently to that which is impermanent. John chapter 20, there's this wonderful, very obscure and odd passage of scripture. This is after Jesus' resurrection. He's appearing to his disciples. In this particular story, he appears to Mary. And Mary sees the risen Christ, and she just wants to grab him. I thought I was going to lose you. I thought you, were, I thought you were gone. But here you are. I'm holding on to you. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. And Jesus says to her, do not cling to me. Huh? What? Do not cling to me. See, because it's one thing to talk about not clinging to the bad times. Hey, remember it's temporary. Don't cling to this. Remember it's temporary. But it's a whole other thing to say don't cling to the good times either. Don't cling to the good stuff either. Because it's seasonal. It comes in waves. And if you try and hold on to it, what's going to happen to you when it's gone? And everything comes and goes. This is life. Jesus actually said in John chapter 16, it is beneficial for you that I'm leaving. It's actually better for you that I'm not here because now you will get to experience my presence and my power in a totally new way through the spirit. Sometimes the most painful transitions are the ones that are the most beneficial for us. And if we really want to be happy, when life takes something away from you, let it go. Don't cling. Let it go. There's a story in the Jewish tradition about a young man who went up to King Solomon. And he asked Solomon to share with him one wise statement that would be true in every circumstance. Doesn't matter what it is. This wise statement stands as universally true. And Solomon responded to that man by saying, this too shall pass. You can take that to the bank. This too shall pass. And when you realize that that is true of both the positive and the negative, the good and the bad, guess what you start to discover and find in life? Stability. Yeah, really. Stability. <laughs> I already see some faces here, man. Y'all are having a hard time with this one today. <laughs> it's called stability. That means you will no longer be moved by all of the occurrences and things that happen in your life. You're, you're stable. The good times there, awesome, great. I'm enjoying it. I'm here for it. And also, I'm not attached to it because I know it's here one moment, gone the next. Oh, a bad time is here. It's not the end of my life. I've been through this before. This too shall pass. 
So may these words today be a reminder to you that it's all temporary, it's all seasonal, and it's all serving a higher good. Don't cling, let go, trust God, and watch the beautiful way that all of this unravels for you. Let's pray. God, even though the seasons change, you remain the same. You are the one constant in life through all of the ups and downs. Your presence in our heart is a refuge, a safe place, a strong tower for us. Help us to find our center, to be rooted so deeply in faith and in love and in open-mindedness that we are not tossed around by the winds and waves of life. Your love is an anchor for us. And the foundation that you have set for us is stable. And so we stand on that foundation knowing that even when the winds come and the rain comes and the winter season comes and the barren season comes and the pruning season comes, that we're going to be okay. It's very hard for us to let go of our attachments, but that is the way to peace. It is our attachment that is at the root of our suffering. And so we will not cling to the bad. We will not cling to the good. We will cling to you. And by clinging to you, you will help us rise above. This too shall pass. It's all temporary. And so we will enjoy the good times while they're here. And we'll embrace the bad times when they come too. Amen. All right. Love you guys. Next Saturday, beach cleanup. I hope to see you. I'll be there. And then we got the baptism as well. Love you. Have a great week.